0: Thanks for listening to the Toronto Legends Podcast, powered by the Henderson Brewing Company, a locally owned, award-winning neighborhood brewery that celebrates Toronto's stories and culture. I am your host, Andrew Applebaum. My guest today is Soroya Tinker. Soroya plays professional ice hockey, patrolling the blue line for our very own Toronto Six of the Premier Hockey Federation, or PHF. Born and raised as a multi-sport athlete in the GTA, Soroya also knows her way around a library earning her degree while also playing hockey at none other than Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. Toronto is very fortunate that it is tinker time, both for the things she does on the ice and the things she does off of it as part of our community. Soraya is a prominent and outspoken voice and mentor advocating for social justice and the importance of education, diversity and inclusion in ice hockey and broader athletics. Welcome Soraya to Toronto Legends. Thank you for joining me where are you and how are you
1: i'm great thank you so much for having me um i'm currently located in oshawa ontario just at my parents place um but we'll be moving into the city soon
0: (laughs) well let's jump right into this you and our team the toronto six are kicking off the season this weekend by hosting a doubleheader against the minnesota whitecaps are you practicing today or is it an off day
1: yeah, so we've got uh, we've got lift and practice. Uh, I gotta be there around three, and then we hop on the ice from 4:15 to 6:15, um, and getting ready for Minnesota this weekend.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's jump right into this. What is a typical day like for you, both on a game day and an off day? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, I think on a game day or practice day, um, I start out by taking meetings in the morning um, for Black Girl Hockey Club Canada, um, developing relationships, networking, trying to get those funds in our bank account for our nonprofit. Um, And then I could be mentoring a girl or two, um, stop in at their games on my way into the city, and then I head to practice or my own game. Um, And then on an off day, honestly, it is all on my computer. Um, We're usually hit the gym once uh, in the morning or in the evening, but But other than that, it's meetings. I'm on my computer um, talking to my mentees. And uh, and yeah,
0: that's great. Well, you always have full life and you're going to have to excuse my ignorance. But in today's modern world, you are a professional hockey player. But do you also have a job or a side hustle or can today's uh, professional player subsist solely on their hockey income, if I may ask?
1: Yeah, for sure. So this year, actually, in our league is our first year that the majority of our players are able to make a living wage. um, And we have benefits um, and and whatnot this year as well, which is huge. Um, But at the same time, the majority of us still do have our side hustles or outside jobs. So for myself, personally, um, I'm the executive director of Black Girl Hockey Club Canada. So I run my nonprofit outside of that. And then aside from my nonprofit and mentoring the girls and and whatnot, um, I'm also a painter. So I sell my my, my paintings, um, and have art shows all over the city, um, and then play hockey. So those are my three passions, um, and the three things that I'm doing right now.
0: Well, certainly you are multidimensional. We are, we are going to go all the way back and get the Soraya Tinker story. Where were you born? And tell us about your upbringing.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I grew up in Oshawa, Ontario. Um, My dad is black, my mom's white, my dad grew up in Scarborough, and my mom grew up in Oshawa. Um, And my dad really had a love for the game, really loved playing hockey um, in the city, but experienced quite a bit of racism in the sport. Uh, he decided that he wanted to put his kids in the sport to prove people wrong. And myself and my three brothers have uh, have played ever since. Um, I'm the only one that's reached the professional level, but the twelve year old Malachi Tinker is making his way up there, um, and we're hoping for the best for him. Um, but I grew up uh, as the only girl um, with three brothers. Um, and I think they really toughened me up. but uh, but yeah, I grew up in Oshawa um, and and now play for my hometown, Home City.
0: What could be better? What could be better? Now, you attended Paul Dwyer Catholic High School in Oshawa, where you were an eight-sport athlete. I'm going to take up most of the podcast time reading all the sports you played. You played on the ice hockey, badminton, basketball, curling, field lacrosse, soccer, track and field, and ultimate Frisbee teams. You were female athlete of the year three times while being MVP and or team captain more times than I can count. You must have been the belle of the ball. What's it like to be the big woman on campus in high school?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, in in high school, I was definitely focused on my athletics and my my academics. Um, so hockey definitely came first, um, but I definitely had a love for soccer and basketball. So um, that was definitely an option for me. I didn't know what sport I wanted to play. But um, in, in high school, I was definitely wanted to be on every team. And if I wasn't on the team, I was being recruited to be on it. Um, and I think that leadership role is just something that I've always taken great pride in and I enjoy being a leader. Um, I enjoy getting to know my teammates and helping them out, especially now in my professional career. I think that that's leadership side has really come out of me. But at the same time, I, I, it, my high school was busy. Um, I didn't really watch much TV. I was either doing my homework or at practice for whatever sport I happened to be playing. Um, and I think my, my teachers and my coaches really really loved that. And, um, and I really loved being that person at school um, and being that go-to female athlete.
0: <laughs> well, I think it's almost counter to what we're doing today. Uh, I have a 15-year-old, we play ringette here in Richmond Hill. Yeah, and what I'm finding was with her and all her teammates and, and the girls she goes to school with in other sports, they're all being um, encouraged to focus 12 months a year on that one sport. And I've always come from the school that like take your skates off in the summer, like you're going to get sick of it. You want to be well rounded, learn all these other skills. You clearly did not restrict yourself to the ice rink. What's your comment on or advice to young athletes that are being told to focus on one sport versus uh, spreading their wings?
1: Yeah, my advice is for them to do everything. Um, I think that a lot of athleticism, um, obviously hockey, you hop on the ice and you're on skates, but um, there are so many fundamentals that you that you still need as an athlete. Um, I think we often see in hockey specifically, um, our footwork isn't there, especially in comparison to athletes that play sports like football or basketball. Um, the um, And I, I mean, I think it's important to dive into every sport. Um, I think that's really how you become a well-rounded athlete, and I think think in order to play at a professional level in whatever sport you choose, you have to be a well-rounded athlete. So um, whether it's knowing how to do a skips and warm up or um, knowing how to shoot the puck in the net, I think you've got to know how to do both. Um, and I think th- those skills carry on. And obviously, I think it's important for them to be involved in different team atmospheres and different sports as different sports have different cultures and backgrounds. So um, that's that's my opinion. <laughs>
0: well, fantastic. Very well said. I agree 100 percent. Let's focus now, Soraya, on your hockey career. After playing minor hockey with the Clarington Flames and the Durham West Lightning, you packed your bags and went off to Yale University in New Haven, Connecticut. You played 122 games for the Bulldogs while also earning your degree. I think to get an education and play college-level hockey at an Ivy League institution, was this like a dream come true?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, I never, I mean, being a small town kid um, in Oshawa, I just went to a Catholic high school, not a private school or anything like that. Um, I, I think going to Yale was a big dream. Um, it wasn't something that I thought was attainable and, until I started talking to those recruiters and um, realizing that it was an option for me. And right from there, I knew that I wanted to take the Ivy League track. Um, I always say that I was a huge nerd outside of hockey. So um, I love school, I love education, I love learning. And uh, with that, I realized I had the opportunity to to attend an Ivy League school. Um, So with that, I I made my way to Yale. And um, it was definitely a shock uh, growing up in Oshawa and being on a Yale campus. But um, at the same time, it was an experience that I would never pass up um, for anything else. And it was was amazing.
0: Well, I want to hear about your path to Yale, because if, if I'm not mistaken, the Ivy League schools do not offer athletic scholarships. What was your path to getting to Yale?
1: Yeah, so, I mean, um, yes, you're right. So Ivy League schools don't offer fina- um, don't offer athletic scholarships, so they only go based on financial aid packages. Um, and this was honestly a huge factor in where I decided to go to school. Um, I had uh, full, full scholarship offers to other universities, scholarship schools, um, and I knew that I was going to have to pay uh, to go to Yale. But at the same time, um, I grew up in a lower to middle class family, um, and it was affordable for my family and my parents parents to to go there, Um, but at the same time, I had the highest financial aid package on my team. Um, I was being supported the most by the school, and um, I realized that if I was going to pay X amount of dollars to attend Yale, um, it was most definitely worth it, Um, and obviously still get to play hockey, still get everything that's basically included in your academic or in, in your athletic scholarships like the skates and the clothes and all that good stuff um, it was just the fact that they didn't give specifically athletic scholarships but um, I wouldn't have gone to Yale if my family was a high class and um, couldn't afford it in, in that sense so I'm fortunate enough to realize that I had a great financial aid package and I had the opportunity to attend.
0: Well you certainly made the most of it I want to hear more about your experience at Yale did you live on campus off campus how would you describe the student body like you say it must have been Quite a culture shock coming from the GTA to go to this such well-known and highly regarded institution.
1: Yeah, so I mean, Yale campus really isn't that big. Um, You can walk across the whole campus in twenty-five minutes max. Um, So I lived on campus. Um, I lived with uh, normies, as we call them, Um, (laughs) uh, uh, for the majority of my my time. I lived with a teammate one year, Um, but uh, on campus was amazing. I think the Yale student body um, is super inclusive, and everybody wants to learn about everybody. Um, And I think that that was something that I really valued. I got to know. So many amazing, um, cool and wonderful people, Um, aside from being in class and learning from top of top of the line professors um, and uh, well-known scientists that have been published and and whatnot. So um, it was it was absolutely amazing. I think the campus is super inclusive. Um, I loved being there. There's so much to do, so much to see. and obviously, playing at the Whale um, is a huge architectural structure that um, has great uh, history behind it. So um, being able to play there every weekend and have that team atmosphere um, in the Whale was amazing.
0: I always tell a story when I go to, uh, we used to go to Myrtle Beach for vacation. And when people found out I was Canadian, they always, two things. It was, what <laughs> hockey team do you play for? And yeah. uh, do you know Fred? You know, Fred from Canada. And... <laughs> Of course, I have to say you were probably the worst stereotype of all, the Canadian (laughs) that plays hockey. How often did you have to tell your your, uh, classmates about Toronto and about hockey, or are we in a more uh, global world where they already understood all this stuff?
1: Yeah, well, I, I think for someone like myself, um, being a mixed individual, I don't think anybody ever even assumed that I played hockey. Um, whenever somebody asked me on campus what sport I played, um, they would usually guess basketball and or volleyball. And the moment I said hockey, they said, oh, field hockey. Um, and I said, no, ice hockey. So um, it, in that sense, I think people definitely have their, their stereotypes that are placed upon Canadians, like do we live in igloos? Or um, what's it like up there? But at the same time, it's basically a replica of the states um in in many ways of course we don't uh i mean of course we don't have a lot of the similarities that they have in terms of their political structure and stuff like that um but you come to toronto it looks like chicago it looks like any other city in the states so um in that sense it was cool to educate my my classmates around me um just because a lot of americans haven't been to canada yeah
0: (laughs) Well, i can't think of someone better to represent us than you let's give a shout out your parents would obviously won't be pleased shout out your degree what did you get your degree in at yale
1: yeah so i studied the history of science medicine and public health Uh, So growing up, I always wanted to be a doctor. Um, I was super focused on on that. And when I got to Yale and had hockey for 40 hours a week and class for X amount of hours a week, I realized that it was a lot. Um, So I was still in a pre-med major um, being in the history of science, medicine and public health. But um, I did. I stopped my pre-med requirements my sophomore year um, and focused more on the public health field in terms of working post-college, aside from playing hockey. So, um, yeah, big shout out to my parents for allowing me to get there and um and supporting me along the way
0: and I, and I wouldn't be a good uh annoying dad if I didn't say hey Haley Wickenheiser you can always come back to that medical <laughs> path in your future I Very wouldn't true. I wouldn't put it out of the uh off the table for someone like yourself who's got so many goals <laughs> Soraya I want to ask what happened after Yale graduation were you thinking of a career or continuing to play hockey did you have to choose between one or the other or did you feel you could have a career and hockey?
1: Yeah, so I'll be honest, I honestly did not plan on playing professional hockey. Um, COVID hit three months before um, graduation, so we were sent home around spring break. And um, from that point on, I had a I mean, I had a job in New York City working in medical devices, but I was let known that they couldn't sponsor work visas given the COVID situation. Um, So I figured if I wasn't going to go right into my field, why not use my hockey talents further and put my name in the draft? So I spoke with my Yale coach. He definitely felt like I should be playing professionally given my my talent and and skill. And so I put my name in the draft and uh, and was drafted fourth overall by the Metropolitan Riveters. Um, So that first year uh, we had a bubble season, so I didn't necessarily have to work and play. Um, I just kind of went to the bubble season and came home. Um, But at the same time, I think um, it was important for me to play professionally and put my name in the draft and and whatnot and kind of put my career on on hold that uh, that I was looking forward to. But at the same time, if I don't have to sit at a desk for a nine to five and still play hockey, that is fine with me.
0: (laughs) uh, You you make me jealous. I'm really jealous. That would have been the dream. Now, this bubble season, as you mentioned, was a bit of a fiasco, but it ended up having a good ending in the sense that you moved over to sign with your hometown Toronto Six in June of last year. As we speak, you're in your second season playing with the Six in the Premier Hockey Federation, PHF. Now there's lots of news from the toronto six your new general manager angela james brought in geraldine heaney as head coach under new club president sammy joe small all three of course have been former stars for canada on the international hockey stage you've got this trio of angela james geraldine heaney sammy joe small also creating an organizational model for success in women's hockey that features an ownership group comprised of the aforementioned angela james who as you know is in the hockey hall of fame Legendary former NHL coach Ted Nolan also got Bernice Carnegie of the Carnegie Initiative, which was established to promote inclusiveness in hockey. Soraya, it must be very exciting for you as a young player to be in the aura of so many legendary hockey personalities. Talk a little about your organization, the Toronto Six.
1: Yeah, I mean, here at the Toronto Six, I think we pride ourselves on on diversity, inclusion, um, and education within our within our marketing and our system. And I mean, I think um, Angela and Sammy and, and Geraldine are here to do just that. Um, obviously, when they played, they didn't have the same luxuries as us. So it's a it's a blessing to be able to learn from them every day, um, and to have that expertise within our, our atmosphere at the rink, um, in our our meetings, our boardroom, and whatever whatever else it may be. Um, So for for someone like myself and for my teammates, I know that we really value those opinions and and they love to see how far the women's game has come Um, and getting to interact with them daily. It shows us um, how far the women's game has come just based on our conversations and the level of play we have. Um, So, I mean, at the Toronto Six, I think it's it's amazing. Um, We have a great team. Um, My captain, Cheyenne Dark Angelo, is an amazing captain. Um, She I think we have a really good team family atmosphere. Um, I think that's something we, we pride ourselves. On And I think that that should be the basis of every team. And I'm very happy to be a part of a program that values that first.
0: Well, I can see that you're and to go. As I mentioned, your season kicks off this weekend by hosting the Minnesota Whitecaps for a doubleheader Saturday and Sunday. Would these games be at Canlan Rinks at York University?
1: Yep. uh, We play at 2 p.m. on the Saturday. So um, that's our home opener. We'll be ready to go. um, Sponsored by Athleta and uh, and we're excited.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Do you want to give a shout out to interested fans who want to buy tickets to one or both games? Where should they go?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, On my social media page, so Tinker 71 on my Instagram, uh, if you click the link in my bio, it'll take you right to uh, the tickets for our Toronto Six games this season. Um, You can buy ticket packages or buy single tickets, but we really hope to get uh, the general community out. And even if you've never seen a hockey game or you're not interested in hockey, come watch us. Um, We're fun to watch and we want to see you in the stands.
0: The Toronto Legends podcast is powered by the Henderson Brewing Company where you can try this month's limited edition beer, Amelia Red Heifewiesen, inspired by Amelia Earhart's passion for flying that started right here in Toronto. Go to HendersonBrewing.com to order now, or visit their taproom and retail store at 128A Sterling Road, located along the West Toronto Railpath. Henderson Brewing and the Toronto Legends podcast, a great local partnership. I wanna take a pause now and take a step back to set the table of women's professional hockey. I have been completely overcome by all these acronyms and I'm hoping you Soraya can can help clarify. Let me try and set this up and then I'm gonna have you jump in. So the seven team league that you and the Toronto Six play in is called the PHF or Premier Hockey Federation. This league is moving from its original single entity structure where one investor group owned all the teams and operated the league. You're moving to a joint venture model where teams are individually owned and the league operates for the benefit of those teams. Tyler Tumania is the PHF commissioner. What direction is she taking your league?
1: Yeah, so Tyler's contract with our commissioner actually ended last season. So Reagan Carey is our league administrator now, um, our league owner. And I think that Reagan's really trying to take it to the next level. Um, I think we have very high level women in sport working within our our league and that's exactly what we aim to do is have a professional league where we can make professional income and have the benefits that we deserve and play in a league and um, have a regular season all that good stuff Um, and that's exactly what we're trying to do with the PHF Um, we're we're almost there I think that We are looking for sustainability and whatnot, but at the same time, uh, we are on the right track, and that's exactly what what Reagan is trying to do with our league, um, as well as our individual ownership groups that now own um, our teams within the league.
0: So the other professional women's hockey group is the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, or PWHPA rather than teams associated with cities, they are running what they call the Dream Gap Tour on the PWHPA website. There are 10 NHL teams, including our very own Toronto Maple Leafs, listed as partner clubs. What does that say or not say about NHL involvement in the women's professional hockey game?
1: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the men's side of the game is is willing to get involved. Um, But at the same time, they're not willing to get involved until until we formulate that one solid, sustainable league. Um, and obviously as, as players we're not aware of everything that goes on behind the scenes um, but that is an effort that we are all trying to accomplish um, whether you play in the PHF or play in the PWHPA um, I think us players are all after one one goal and that's for us to get paid and be professional athletes and professional athletes only. Um, no more side hustles, no more um, wondering where we're going to go get our PT because it's not covered or, or our dental because it's not covered. Um, we want To have sustainable paychecks, we want to have um, sustainable benefits, and I think that that just goes to having one professional league. um, And that's really what we're aiming to do. And our male counterparts have said that they will step in and and support us and help us when we do formulate one league. So, uh, for a player, for a young player like myself, um, I'm still a bit of a rookie on my team. Uh, I think I'm the third youngest this year, still. Um, So, for someone like myself, we're just trying to better the game and move forward. and and no matter what league we play in, we're all trying to benefit women's hockey um, as a whole. So,
0: <laughs> Well, here at Toronto Legends, we try to stay right on top of things. And at this very moment, there is renewed speculation that the Premier Hockey Federation, the PHF, and the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, the PWHPA, will team up to create one league for the best women's players in the world. The two leagues have to find a solution for the good of women's hockey. They're eating each other's lunches right now. For example, the PWHPA's next showcase happens to be this very weekend in Truro, Nova Scotia, the exact same weekend as your season open doubleheader. How do you view the relationship between the PHF and the PWHPA? And I don't want to put you on the spot, Soraya, but please get out your crystal ball and predict the future layout of women's professional hockey in North America.
1: Yeah, I mean, as I, as I said, I think we are looking as players to formulate one league. Um, I don't think that, that, that there's any bad blood between players. Um, I definitely don't think that that is the issue. Um, I think that we're just looking for um, a sustainable league. Um, and that goes for myself playing in the phf and that goes for the girls playing in the pwhpa um so we're looking for sustainability we're looking for professionality um which is a huge one and um honestly some of us and some of our organizations just aren't there yet um if i'm being quite honest and that's really what they're looking for in terms of the pwhpa players as well as myself playing in the phf um Obviously, we have a different format of play uh, and whatnot, but at the same time, we all want one professional league that offers it to our top level players um, in all across North America and for our European players to come and play in our league as well, just like the NHL has. Um, So I I definitely think it's something that's on the rise. Uh, We are trying to work together and figure out what's next and figure out what's best for women's hockey. Um, But at the same time, I agree. We do have to come together as one, and uh, it's not benefiting anybody being separately. Well,
0: I think there's lots of good news to come. I I do uh, foresee, as you say, coming together and making it stronger for everyone. But the final piece that I need to be educated on is the relation of the national programs. How do the Canadian and American national team programs interact with the PHF and the PWHPA, if at all?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I will be frank in my answer, I guess. Um, the, I mean, from a hockey, I don't really know hockey U.S. side. I've been removed from Hockey Canada for about five, six years now. Um, but at the same time, uh, I definitely think that there needs to be a better relationship. Um, I think that there needs to be a shared level of respect between um, the PHF, PWHPA, Hockey Canada, and Hockey USA. Um, I definitely see a little bit of gatekeeping going on, um, but at the same time, I'm fully removed and that's not my concern anymore. Um, I know that they rotate through X amount of players for the Olympic team. I know that that's not an opportunity that I'm going to be given again. um, And that's just me being honest with myself. So um, in in that sense, I definitely think better relationships can be developed between um, the PHF and the national team programs, as well as the PWHPA and the national team programs, um, just because uh, there are so many underlying factors that go into us having one league eventually. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And there was big news in the sense of being able to make it sustainable for yourself with a living wage. Your former teammate, Michaela Grant-Mentis, who was Toronto's leading scorer last season, she left via free agency, but she reportedly signed a league record $80,000 contract with the Buffalo Buttes. Despite her leaving your locker room, can I assume there was a huge celebration with the news of such a lucrative deal? As you know, a rising tide floats all boats higher. Everyone must have been excited to hear this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I I think it shows the the way that women's hockey is headed. Um, It shows the direction that we're going in. Um, Obviously, we want everybody to have an $80,000 contract and that is the goal. Um, So I mean, with it being one player this year, I think that that's that's great. Um, But at the same time, we do need to see sustainability and have the ability for everybody on the team to make a living wage. Um, Obviously, it's great for women's hockey to be able to offer out contracts like this. Um, And obviously, Michaela's not on my team this year, but at the same time, um, my team values uh, the same things as well. So paying its players and paying its players accordingly.
0: Well, certainly heading in the right direction. I want to ask you, what do you expect to be the role of players or even teams from outside of North America?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we have seen a lot of our European players come over. So this year we have on my team, we have two Czech Olympians um, that have played um, and really getting the European girls to come over just because I think obviously we see the NHL, that's the that's the number one pro league. We want to have a North American pro league where all of the players feel as though they can come to our league, participate and be looked at for their national teams still um, and ultimately play at the highest level possible. Um, I think that that's the... The biggest piece here is getting all of the players together so that we can formulate a league that um, is so high level that um, it is hard to get drafted and it is hard to um, make it. Not that it's not hard yet. um, It definitely is. But at the same time, um, having that higher level of competition um, will allow us to generate that fan base and have sustainability and all that great stuff that we talk about.
0: Well, let's keep going on that direction, because you may not know this, but the Toronto Legends podcast, we have listeners all around the globe, including iconic European hockey journalist and author Risto Pakarinen. Risto is Finnish-born, but currently based out of Sweden. When he heard that you were coming on, he said he has many, many questions for Soroya <laughs> Tinker. So here we go. Number one, although there are no Finns nor Swedes currently on the Toronto Six roster, as you note, you have two Czechs. You also have a player from China's national team. Risto yeah. asks if you have noticed any major differences between North American players and the players coming from ab- abroad not only in their hockey skills but in how they carry themselves off the ice
1: yeah for sure i think I think that that's would be um known I mean that would be uh I mean everybody's culture is different, so uh, I think that the girls definitely do carry themselves differently um and on the ice, I think that the um they they are a lot. A lot of their focus is on skill. So um, it's very hard passes. It's super, super quick hands and skill. Um, I think that they have a very high level of skill there. Whereas I find that Hockey Canada, Hockey USA focuses on you got to be a strong skater first. If you're not a strong skater, it's not even an option. So um, in that sense, I think that their skill level is, is definitely something to be reckoned with. Um, and I mean, this year in the league, I think that we're at a whole nother level of play, even in comparison to last year with our European players coming in and some of our national team players joining our our league um so so with that i think that um we've got a whole level of different play coming in and it's going to be a little bit of of a different style with our european players coming in Um, but at the same time we appreciate them on our team we appreciate the skill that they bring um and they're amazing players and deserve to be be recognized on a world stage um just as us north american players do
0: Well, it certainly elevates the game, but as you know, currently women's ice hockey internationally is still really a two-horse race. It's perpetually Canada versus the USA. Risto asks if you are seeing evidence of Finland, Sweden, or any other country raising the level of their games to better compete with Canada and the US.
1: Yeah, I mean, I will say I haven't been fortunate enough to play on the world stage. for a number of years now, so I don't necessarily know. But at the same time, um, I think that when they do come back and I see the girls on my team this year that are playing on the national stage and at Worlds, um, we do see that level of competition rising. Um, Obviously, if you watch the Olympics, if you watch World Championships, you see the girls are flying out there, um, regardless of what national team they're playing for. Um, So obviously, we know historically Canada and U.S. have been incredibly strong, um, but that also goes to show the talent pool that we have in Canada to the U.S. Um, I think that we could make multiple teams um, and and our players are, are wet, ready to go. But at the same time, the other countries are they're on the rise um, and we want them to get there. We want them. I mean, I want to see somebody beat Team Canada. I want to see somebody beat Team USA. Um, that's when we know that the level of the game has has reached that level that everybody is competing. And um I think it's going to be important moving forward for women's hockey in general, just because we, we need our European players. And I mean, it's, I mean, obviously Canada, U (laughs) S rivalries are always always good to watch, but um, I'd love to see the Swedes in there. I'd love to see Finland, Czech. So um, at the same time, I think we're, we want the game to improve. We want those teams to give us a a challenge at the national team stage.
0: Absolutely. And Risto's final question was he asked, in fact, if you had ever considered yourself playing in the Swedish professional women's league, he notes that there are about 50 Olympians currently playing in, the, in Sweden right now.
1: Yeah, playing in Europe is definitely something I've considered. Um, with with me and, and my, my brand and my fan base and, and whatnot, I do think my market is in North America. And I will say that I don't plan on playing um, professional hockey. for. Uh, I don't plan on playing into my 30s or anything like that. Um, hockey... Um, and sport as a whole is a platform I think um, especially for somebody like myself um, I'm obviously very passionate about my education so um, moving forward obviously I want to see the league um, improve but hockey is not something that I plan on on playing for for the, the majority of my adult life so um, in, in that sense I think that we're on the right track but but yeah
0: <laughs> well we're gonna jump into all the off ice parts of your life, which are significant. But just to close off, you know, as a token of appreciation for answering all of Risto's questions, he (laughs) has sent along this little insider's nugget of information for you. The Metropolitan Riveters goalie is Evelina Makinen, who also plays on the Finnish national team. Mm -hmm. Apparently, Soroya, you want to go glove-side high on Evelina, (laughs) but under no circumstances are you to reveal you got that info from her countryman, Risto Pacorinen. (laughs) Noted. Now, Soroya, you launched your mentorship program, Soroya Strong, after your first professional hockey season. What is Soroya Strong?
1: Yeah, so Soroya Strong is my mentorship program. Uh, We mentor girls from the ages of 8 to 21 within my program all across North America. Uh, We do via Zoom, uh, so virtually. So we'll do virtual Zoom meetings, one-on-one meetings. Um, I'll run workouts with them via Zoom, Uh, give them guest speakers and whatnot. Um, And I mean, it's really just a passion project of mine. Um, As I said, when I decided to play professionally, I realized that I was going to need a new purpose in playing. Um, and that new purpose is playing for the little girls behind me. So I get to develop my individual relationships with them. I get to see them grow. I get to watch their games. Um, and that's something that really helps my career flourish and, and reminds me of my passion for the game. But I also know that I'm a piece of representation for them and a go-to figure that they feel like they can um, interact with and, and see themselves at the level that I'm at now. Um, so Saroy Strong, again, is my mentorship program. Uh, we've had that up in running since 2020. Um, And now it is a piece of Black Girl Hockey Club Canada's community programming.
0: Well, as you know, you're also the Executive Director of Black Girl Hockey Club Canada. What is that organization's current focus?
1: Yes, so uh, the mission of Black Girl Hockey Club Canada is to, I mean, is to include and make sure Black women in hockey have a community and a safe space to thrive and enjoy. Um, So with that, we have four aspects of our community programming. So the first is financial aid and scholarship. So we give out scholarships once a year and we have a rolling need-based financial aid program that our kids can apply to, um, whether it's for league funds throughout the year or for equipment. We are also partnered with the NHLPA, which allows us to give out 25 full equipment scholarships each year. Um, The second aspect is our Soroye Strong Mentorship Program. So as I mentioned, we mentor our girls um, and we've got about 55 girls in the GTA. So a lot of our stuff is in person now. Um, the third aspect is our mental health and wellness programming. Um, and we have uh, a pool of funds set aside for our girls who do want or need uh, therapy. And we partner them with um, BIPOC women um, that offer therapies, sessions, um, and, and needs for them. And we also run events through that. So yoga, meditation, um, things that benefit their mental health. And then our fourth aspect is our community events and programming. So um, that's like us partnering with NHL teams like the Leafs, the Flames, the Canucks, um, and making sure that we have a space in NHL arenas and that we're seen um, and welcomed.
0: I think it's so great in particular, what caught my ear was the focus on mental health and wellness as being something to really pay attention to. Uh, I was fortunate to meet you at the Canadian Tire Jumpstart sessions on coaches and their players, and we learned all kinds of great stuff. And one of the things that I really learned about was the importance of emotional well-being. And do you wanna talk a little more about that in the sense that COVID certainly affected, I'm a coach for Ringette and I see my players, they were greatly affected by COVID. And as we get back to the swing of things, uh, we have to be much more aware of not only how they perform on the ice, but how they're feeling off the ice.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think mental health has been a, a very big aspect of my career, um, whether it's me not feeling mentally well enough to be out there on the ice or um, me needing somebody to talk to aside from my teammates. Um, so I think that that's something that I always tell my coaches or um, tell my girls coaches that it's something that you do need to focus on um, if they're not mentally well, they're not going to perform To the best of their ability and having those conversations with my girls with the coaches about the things that they can do to um overcome that that mindset that may be taking over their game for the time being um so I think mental health and wellness is something that we see a lot now in today's day and age um, with our professional athletes being able to come out and and say that they're not feeling OK. Um, I think that a lot of people don't realize, obviously, we have our fans that come and watch us at games and, and yell at us and whatnot, but there is a whole other aspect outside of bouncing a ball on a court or throwing the football or shooting the puck. Um, you have to be mentally sound and confident in yourself to be able to perform at that level. Um, and mental health is the number one thing on that list that contributes to that. So, um, I really wanted to have a mental health and wellness program for our girls because I know how much they need it. Um, and I think that if it's something that, if it was something that I would have had when I was their age, I think that my career could have been different. Um, I think that I could have felt a lot different about myself. And if that's something that we can control within our girls, why not control that and allow them to feel fully confident and unapologetic about who they are um, despite their mental health challenges.
0: It's okay to say that you are not okay. I think that's a great (laughs) message. If that wasn't enough for you, Soroya, you also made your film debut recently as you were featured in Black Ice, a documentary that examines the history of anti-black racism in hockey from the segregated leagues of the 19th century to professional leagues today. This film, in fact, won the Toronto International Film Festival's 2022 People's Choice Documentary Award as voted by the viewing public. What are you hearing is next for the film, and should we be expecting to see you on global red carpets in the future? (laughs)
1: yeah so um black ice is an amazing movie um i'm so fortunate enough to be a part of it uh we're exploring the history of racism in in hockey and telling current and present stories um and showing what we're doing in the future to move forward with the game Um, I definitely think that the movie has an incredible um, aspect to it where it can be used as an educational resource, and I believe that it definitely will be, um, whether that's in schools or community programs, but showing this movie to um, kids in the game that want to get into hockey I think is going to be imperative. Um, They need to see this piece of representation and know that other players have gone through this and have made it, Um, and that's exactly what we show in the film. We talk about Wayne Simmons, Matt Dumba, um, and they've all Push through those things in their career including myself and i think that it's going to be so important for our audiences to respect that and understand that they have a lack of understanding of hockey culture and um and the way that we exclude people within the hockey community and and things need to change so whether it's diving into their grassroots programs um, and donating to to organizations like Hockey Equality or the HDA or Black Girl Hockey Club. um, I think it's going to be uh, huge for people to actually come together, watch the film, and realize that hockey is not a white man's game.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And on that note, changing hockey culture, you have been outspoken against racism in hockey and have been willing to share your experiences as a multi-ethnic player in what is, as you note, predominantly still a white sport. How would you describe the state of race and inclusion in hockey culture today?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from what I see today, I get this question a lot and um, obviously we've improved from when I was 11 and 12 and being called the N word in the dressing room by my own teammates. Um, but at the same time, we also have to realize that this movie and these conversations are just happening now. Um, it's 2022, and this is the start of hockey culture change. Um, I think that we need to realize that we have such a long way to go as we have made almost no progress in the past few years. Um, and with the movie, with, um, us players coming out with our stories and sharing, um, our our difficulties i think that it's it's time for those uncomfortable conversations to be had even further um and once those uncomfortable conversations can be had that's when we will see the replacement of um of our big wigs in the head offices that um need to change hockey culture but refuse to because they don't understand the lack of diversity because it doesn't affect them Mm. um so i think holding people accountable um, has been a big piece of moving forward. And that's something that I encourage the, those around me to do is to hold people accountable and continue to educate themselves on these matters. Um, there are still so many people that don't know that a black man invented the slap shot or mm. um, that a black man was the goalie that came out and um, decided to play the puck. That, that all started with black men, specifically in Nova Scotia in the Colored Hockey League. Um, and hockey has been taken from us black individuals and we have not been welcomed in the game and that goes for the majority of our bipoc communities in hockey so um i think moving forward it's just going to be important for us to continue to hold people accountable and continue to have these uncomfortable conversations um but we have moved forward and i do see improvement but again it's the only improvement i see is that people are actually talking about it now um what Mm -hmm. are we going to actually do to sit down and fix it
0: well as you note it's just a start yes I want to talk about your international play. You've represented Canada in two different ways. You played with Team Canada at the 2016 IIHF World Women's U18 Championship. You won a silver medal. Now, that tournament was actually held in Canada, if I'm correct.
1: Yeah. Yep. And so what was that we experience actually- like? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I was a little disappointed that year when I found out that I wasn't going to get to go across seas to play um, (laughs) on the world stage. But at the same time, I think that's something that I underestimated because uh, we were able to play in Canada. We had a sold out crowd um, in St. Catharines. And I mean, obviously, hockey in Canada is unmatched. Um, Our fan base, the people who come out to support us, um, I think that's the most amount of people I've ever played in front of. um, And we were sold out. So playing in Canada was blessing at the end of the day um and we were able to i mean we we unfortunately lost in overtime to the us and i have a silver medal but at the same time um a highlight of my career um wearing the team canada jersey and being able to represent my country on a world stage so um with that i mean it's it's something that not a lot of people have done and i definitely wish i had the opportunity to do it again but at the same time um i've got a silver medal and We're happy with that.
0: (laughs) Well, as you should be, and it doesn't end there because you represented Canada again in 2017, but in a shock to absolutely nobody listening to this because you are Soroya Tinker, it was not in ice hockey, but in ball hockey, you guys won a gold medal at the Ball Hockey World Championship in the Czech Republic. What was that experience like?
1: Yeah, that was amazing. So, I mean, ball hockey was kind of my, it was my summer sport aside from soccer. Uh, My dad coached in the Oshawa ball hockey league here, which is a pretty well-known league within um, the GTA for ball hockey. So I grew up playing ball hockey with the boys. Um, There was a women's league, but I never wanted to play in it. I just wanted to uh, be tough with the boys. So um, in in that sense, ball hockey was kind of my outlet. Um, I I love ball hockey and was able to represent on the national team stage again. um, And, uh, and and won a gold medal that time so um i I love ball hockey and it's uh just a side passion of mine that not a lot of people know about um that ball hockey is even an option so
0: (laughs) that's great gold and silver pretty good if you ask me yeah i want to ask if you have had any interaction with your male counterparts on the two male professional teams here the toronto maple leafs and toronto Marlies. uh do you interact with them at all and who will bring the next professional hockey title to the city that we love toronto
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I definitely, um, I love chatting with Wayne, with Wayne Simmons. Um, I would say over the course of black ice, uh, we we've developed a a friendship and, um, I value his opinion. And I think that those guys are somebody that I can go to and and talk and ask these questions to when we're feeling a certain type of way or a situation comes up within the hockey world. Um, so Wayne Simmons, Mark Frazier, um, I mean, all of these amazing individuals. I mean, Mark used to play um, and now works in Hockey Ops. Um, there's, there's so many amazing people in the city. Um, and I do think that we need more support from our, our counterparts, from our male counterparts. Um, obviously, I, I talk to Wayne, but I don't talk to all of the Leaf players. Um, and for sure, we would 100% wouldn't mind them wearing a jersey of Toronto Six into their game. Great support. idea. Um, but at the same time, I think that they are willing to support us. We just have to talk, open up, and, uh, and be willing to have those conversations to tell them how they can actually help us.
0: I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but who's bringing the next pro championship here? Is it going to be the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Toronto Marlies, or the Toronto Six?
1: <laughs> Definitely the Toronto Six this season. Uh, my money's on T6. So uh, so I, I don't know how much faith we can put in the Leafs anymore. Sorry, guys. But...
0: <laughs> hey, the, <laughs> the 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 results have to speak for themselves. We're into our 56th campaign of yes. wait till next year. But we're, <laughs> y- you're going to rep us. You're going to rep us. I want to close on a lighter note. And I mean, you're so busy. I can't imagine you're doing anything outside of what you're doing. But what do you do for fun outside of the rink, Soraya? What are your hobbies if you have any additional free time?
1: Yeah, so um, in in my free time, um, I love to paint. As I mentioned, Um, I have my painting business up and running, but painting was honestly just um, an outlet and a hobby of mine. People just wanted to start buying them. So why not make it into a business? Because that's how I am. Um, But honestly, I think it's just interacting um, with the people that I get to interact with on the daily basis. Um, My my partner, um, he works specifically in the nonprofit sector as well, uh, more on the football side. So getting content for him, helping him out with everything he's doing and getting to meet his his kids that he coaches and, and loves so much as well, um, but really just being involved in my community, seeing what I can do, interacting with my girls. Um, I, I, although, although my mentorship program and Black Girl Hockey Club is considered work for me, um, it is my passion and I don't mind stopping in at an arena to watch my girls play or taking them to lunch or sitting on a Zoom meeting with them. Um, so that is what I spend a lot of my extra time doing, um, but. But again, just loving being in the community and inspiring others.
0: Fantastic. Well, <laughs> I want to take advantage of your mentorship. Our under 16 Richmond Hill Ringette team. We're loading up the team bus. We got a big road trip to London this weekend. I want to awesome. shout out to all my girls, including my own daughter, Natalie. So I'm the coach Soraya. Please help me with my final pre-game pump up speech. We're going to this big tournament in London. What is the call to action to a group of 15 year olds?
1: Yeah, I mean, I always love my my coach's pregame speeches, but um, I think the go-to for myself is to always reiterate that we're a family. Um, I think that when your team operates as a family, um, you have a different level of respect for each of the players sitting on on your bench beside you, regardless of their role. Um, I think the teams that I've been on that have implemented a family atmosphere and um, that level of of respect and getting to know each other um, has always been more successful than the teams that has cliques and um, the girls feel as though they're entitled to spots and whatnot. So um, I would just say reiterate the fact that you're a family and your girls should treat each other as such um and and go from there
0: (laughs) excellent when when you care about each other you just put that much more effort in
1: yes it's very true
0: soraya where can we best follow your hockey career and your mentorship program soraya strong where's the best way to keep it track of you
1: yeah. So I am Soroya Tinker 71 on all of my social media platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, and then uh, we have soroyastrong.com where we can follow our mentorship program and get more information there. And then obviously blackgirlhockeyclubca.org um, also has more information regarding our nonprofit.
0: Amazing stuff. Well, I want to thank you so much for your time. I want to wish you continued success with all your initiatives and Go get them this weekend with the season opener. Wishing you the best, Soraya.
1: For sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it.
0: It's been my pleasure. (laughs) And to the listeners, we thank you for listening to this episode of the Toronto Legends podcast powered by Henderson Brewing Company. And on behalf of Soraya Tinker, I am Andrew Applebaum saying mahalo. Or sexy. Catch Catch us on on the the Dean Dean Blundell Network Network. Network. or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts because Because democracy democracy is something something you do. do.
1: What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover.